0: Chapter Sixteen of Cleopatra by georg Ebers, translated by Mary J. Safford. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Sixteen. Brothers and sisters are rarely talkative when they are together. As Charmian went to Lochius with Archibius, it was difficult for her to find words. The events of the past few hours had agitated her so deeply. Archibius, too, could not succeed in turning his thoughts in any other direction, though important and far more momentous things claimed his attention. They walked on silently, side by side, in reply to his sister's inquiry where the newly wedded pair were to be concealed he had answered that spite of her trustworthiness this must remain a secret to her second query how had it been possible to use the interior of the temple of isis without interruption he also made a guarded reply in fact it was the control of the subterranean corridors of the sanctuary which had suggested to gorgias the idea of carrying dion through them to pyrrhus's fishing-boat to accomplish this it was only necessary to have the temple of isis which usually remained open day and night left to the fugitive's friends for a short time and this was successfully managed the historian timogenes who had come from rome as ambassador and claimed the hospitality of his former pupil archibius had been empowered to offer cleopatra recognition of her own and her children's right to the throne and a full pardon if she would deliver mark antony into the hands of octavianus or have him put to death the alexandrian timogenes considered this demand both just and desirable because it promised to deliver his native city from the man whose despotic arrogance menaced its freedom and whose lavish generosity and boundless love of splendor diminished its wealth to rome as whose representative the historian appeared this man's mere existence meant constant turmoil and civil war at the restoration of the flute-player by gabinius and mark antony timogenes had been carried into slavery later when after his freedom had been purchased by the son of sulla he succeeded in attaining great influence in rome he still remained hostile to mark antony and it had been a welcome charge to work against him in alexandria he hoped to find an ally in archibius whose loyal devotion to the queen he knew arius barine's uncle and octavianus's former tutor would also aid him the most powerful support of his mission however could be rendered by the venerable chief priest the head of the whole egyptian hierarchy he had shown the latter that antony in any case was a lost man and egypt was in the act of dropping like a ripe fruit into the lap of octavianus it would soon be in his power to give the country whatever degree of liberty and independence he might choose the caesar had the sole disposal of the queen's fate also and whoever desired to see her remain on the throne must strive to gain the good-will of octavianus the wise anubis had considered all these things but he owed to timogenes the hint that arius was the man whom octavianus most trusted so the august prelate secretly entered into communication with barine's uncle But the dignity of his high office and the feebleness of extreme age forbade Anubis to seek the man who was suspected of friendship for the Romans. He had therefore sent his trusted secretary, the young Serapion, to make a compact as his representative with the friend of Octavianus, whose severe injuries prevented his leaving the house to go to the chief priest during timogenes's negotiations with the secretary and arius archibius came to entreat barine's uncle to do everything in his power to save his niece and as all the queen's friends were anxious to prevent an act which in these times of excitement could not fail on account of its connection with dion a member of the council to rouse a large number of the citizens against her serapion as soon as he was made aware of the matter eagerly protested his readiness to do his best to save the imperiled lovers he cared nothing for barine or dion as individuals but he doubtless would have been ready to make a still greater sacrifice to win the influential archibius and especially arius who would have great power through the rising sun the men had just begun to discuss plans for saving barine when the nubian appeared and told Archibius what had been arranged beside dion's sick bed by the freedmen and gorgias the escape of the fugitives depended solely upon their reaching the boat unseen and the surest way to accomplish this was to use the subterranean passage which the architect had again opened archibius to whom the representative of the chief priest had offered his aid now took the others into his confidence and arius proposed that barine should marry dion in the temple of isis and the couple should afterwards be guided through the secret passage to the boat this proposal was approved and serapion promised to reserve the sanctuary for the wedding of the fugitives for a short time after the departure of the procession which was to take place at sunset in return for this service another might perhaps soon be requested from the friend of octavianus who greeted his promise with grateful warmth the priesthood said serapion takes sides with all who are unjustly persecuted and in this case bestows aid the more willingly on account of its great anxiety to guard the queen from an act which would be difficult to approve as for the fugitives so far as he could see only two possibilities were open to them cleopatra would cleave to mark antony and go would that the immortals might avert it to ruin or she would sacrifice him and save her throne and life In both cases the endangered lovers could soon return uninjured. The queen had a merciful heart, and never retained anger long if no guilt existed. The details of the plan were then settled by Archibius, Anuchus, and Berenike, who was with the family of Arius, and the decision was communicated to the architect. Archibius had maintained the same silence concerning the destination of the fugitives towards the men composing the council, and Barine's mother as to his sister. With regard to the mission of Timogenes, and the political questions which occupied his mind, he gave Charmian only the degree of information necessary to explain the plan she so lovingly promoted, but she had no desire to know more on the way home her mind was wholly absorbed by the fear that cleopatra had missed her services and discovered barine's flight true she mentioned the queen's desire to place her children in archibius's charge but she could not give him full particulars until she reached her own apartments her absence had not been noticed the regent mardian had received the procession in the queen's name for cleopatra had driven into the city no one knew where charmian entered her apartments with a lighter heart anukis opened the door to them she had remained undisturbed and it was a pleasure to archibius to give the faithful clever freedwoman an account of the matter with his own lips he could have bestowed no richer reward upon the modest servant who listened to his words as if they were a revelation when she disclaimed the thanks with which he concluded protesting that she was the person under obligation the expression was sincere her keen intellect instantly recognized the aristocrat's manner of addressing an equal or an inferior and he who in her eyes was the first of men had described the course of events as though she had stood on the same level the queen herself might have been satisfied with the report when she left charmian's rooms to join the other servants she told herself that she was an especially favoured mortal and when a young cook teased her about her head being sunk between her shoulders she answered laughing My shoulders have grown so high because I shrug them so often at the fools who jeer at me, and yet are not half so happy and grateful. Charmian, sorely wearied, had flung herself into an armchair, and Archibius took his place opposite to her. They were happy in each other's society, even when silent, but to-day the hearts of both were so full that they fared like those who are so worn out by fatigue that they cannot sleep how much they had to tell each other yet it was long ere charmian broke the silence and returned to the subject of the queen's wish describing to her brother cleopatra's visit to the house which the children had built how kind and cordial she had been yet a few minutes later incensed by the mere mention of barine's name she had dismissed her so ungraciously i do not know what you intend she said in conclusion but notwithstanding my love for her i must perhaps decide in favour of what is most difficult for when she learns that it was i who withdrew the daughter of leonax from her and the base alexis what treatment can i expect especially as iris no longer gives me the same affection and shows that she has forgotten my love and care this will increase and the worst of the matter is that if the queen begins to favour her i cannot justly reproach her for iris is keener-witted and has a more active brain statecraft was always odious to me iris on the contrary is delighted with the opportunity to speak on subjects connected with the government of the country and especially the ceaseless momentous game with rome and the men who guide her destiny that game is lost archibius broke in with so much earnestness that charmian started repeating in a low timid tone lost forever said archibius unless the olympians be praised that there is still a doubt unless cleopatra can decide to commit an act which will force her to be faithless to herself and destroy her noble image through all future generations how whenever you learn it will be too soon and suppose she should do it archibius you are her most trusted confidant she will place in your charge what she loves more than she does herself more you mean i suppose the children the children yes a hundred times yes she loves them better than aught else on earth for them, believe me she would be ready to go to her death let us hope so and you were she to commit the horrible deed i can only suspect what it is but should she descend from the height which she has hitherto occupied would you still be ready with me he interrupted quietly what she does or does not do matters nothing she is unhappy and will be plunged deeper and deeper into misery i know this and it constrains me to exert my utmost powers in her service I am hers, as the hermit consecrated to Serapis belongs to the god. His every thought must be devoted to him. To the deity who created him he dedicates body and soul until the death to which he dooms him. The bonds which unite me to this woman, you know their origin, are not less indestructible. Whatever she desires, whose fulfillment will not force me to despise myself, is granted in advance. "'She will never require such things from the friend of her childhoods,' cried Charmian. Then approaching him with both arms extended joyfully, she exclaimed, "'Thus you ought to speak and feel, and therein is the answer to the question which has agitated my soul since yesterday. Barine's flight, the favour and disfavour of Cleopatra, Iris, my poor head which abhors politics, while at this time the queen needs keen-sighted confidants, by no means.' her brother interrupted it is for men alone to give counsel in these matters a curse be women's gossip over their toilet-tables it is already scattered to the four winds many a well-considered plan of the wisest heads and an iris could never be more fatal to statecraft than just at the present moment had not fate already uttered the final verdict then hence with these scruples cried charmian eagerly my doubts are at an end as usual you point out the right path i had thought of returning to the country estate we call irenia the abode of peace or to our beloved little palace at Canopus to spend the years which may still be allotted to me and return to everything that made my childhood beautiful the philosophers the flowers in the garden the poets even the new roman ones of whose works timogenes sent us such charming specimens would enliven the solitude the child the daughter of the man whose love i renounced and afterwards perhaps her sons and daughters would fill the place of my own as they would have been dear to leonax i too would have loved them this is the guise in which the future has appeared to me in many a quiet hour but shall charmian who when her heart throbbed still more warmly and life lay fair before her laid her first love upon the altar of sacrifice for her royal playfellow abandon cleopatra in misfortune from mere selfish scruples no no like you i too belong come what may to the queen she gazed into her brother's face sure of his approval but waving his uplifted hand he answered gravely no charmian what i a man can assume might be fatal to you a woman the present is not sweet enough for me to embitter it with wormwood from the future and yet you must cast one glance into its gloomy domain in order to understand me you can be silent and what you now learn will be a secret between us only one thing here he lowered the loud tones of his deep voice only one thing can save her-the murder of antony or an act of shameless treachery which would deliver him into octavianus's power this is the proposal timogenes brought this she asked in a hollow tone her grey head drooping this he repeated firmly and if she succumbs to the temptation she will be faithless to the love which has coursed through her whole life as the nile flows through the land of her ancestors then charming stay stay under any circumstances cling to her more firmly than ever for then-then my sister she will be more wretched ten a hundredfold more wretched than if octavianus deprives her of everything perhaps even life itself nor will i leave her come what may i will remain at her side until the end cried charmian eagerly but archibius without noticing the enthusiastic ardour so unusual to his sister's quiet nature calmly continued she won your heart also and it seems impossible for you to desert her many have shared our feelings and it is no disgrace to any one misfortune is a weapon which cleaves base natures like a sword yet like a hammer welds noble ones more closely to you therefore it now seems doubly difficult to leave her but you need love The right to live and guard yourself from the most pitiable retrogression is your due as much as that of the rare woman on the throne. So long as you are sure of her love, remain with her and show your devotion in every situation until the end. But the motives which were drawing you away to books, flowers, and children weigh heavily in the balance, and if you lack the anchor of her favour and love, I shall see you perish miserably the frost emanating from cleopatra if her heart grew cold to you the pin-pricks with which Iris would assail you were you defenceless would kill you this must not be sister we will guard against it do not interrupt me the counsel i advise you to follow has been duly weighed if you see that the queen still loves you as in former days cling to her but should you learn the contrary bid her farewell to-morrow my irenia is yours but she does love me and even should she no longer the test is at hand we will leave the decision to her you shall confess that you were the culprit who aided barine to escape her power to punish archibius if you did not a series of falsehoods must ensue Try whether the petty qualities in her nature which urged her to commit the fate of Leonax's daughter to unworthy hands are more powerful than the nobler ones. Try whether she is worthy of the self-sacrificing fidelity which you have given her all your life, if she remains the same as before, spite of this admission." Here he was interrupted by Anukis, who asked if her mistress would see Iris at this late hour admit her replied archibius after hastily exchanging glances with his sister whose face had paled at his demand he perceived it and as the servant withdrew he clasped her hand saying with earnest affection i gave you my opinion but at our age we must take counsel with ourselves and you will find the right path i have already found it she answered softly with downcast eyes this visitor brought a speedy decision. I must not feel ashamed in Iris's presence. She had scarcely finished speaking when the queen's younger confidante entered. She was excited, and after casting a searching glance around the familiar room, she asked, after a curt greeting, "'No one knows where the queen is gone. Mardian received the procession in her place. Did she take you into her confidence?' Charmian answered in the negative, and inquired whether Antony had arrived and how she had found him. "'In a pitiable state,' was the reply. "'I hastened hither to prevent the queen from visiting him. If possible, she would have received a rebuff. It is horrible.' "'The disappointment of peritonium is added to the other burdens,' observed Archibius. "'A feather compared with the rest,' cried Iris indignantly. "'What a spectacle!' a shriveled soul never too large in the body of a powerful giant disaster crushes the courage of the descendant of heracles the weakling will drag the queen's splendid courage with him into the dust we will do our best to prevent it replied archibius firmly the immortals have placed you and charmian at her side to sustain her if her own strength fails the time to test your powers has arrived "'I know my duty,' replied Iris austerely. "'Prove it,' said Archibius earnestly. "'You think you have cause for anger against Charmian? Whoever treats my foes so tenderly can doubtless dispense with my affection. Where is your ward?' "'That you shall learn later,' replied Charmian, advancing. "'But when you do know, you will have still better reason to doubt my love. Yet it was only to save one dear to me from misery, certainly not to grieve you.' That i step between you and barine and now let me say had you wounded me to the quick and everything dear to the greek heart call to me for vengeance i should impose upon myself whatever constraint might be necessary to deny the impulse because this breast contains a love stronger more powerful than the fiercest hate and this love we both share hate me strive to wound and injure one at whose side you have hitherto stood like a daughter But beware of robbing me of the strength and freedom which i need to be and to offer to my royal mistress all the assistance in my power i have just been consulting my brother about leaving cleopatra's service now i was broken vehemently no no not that it must not be she cannot spare you now more easily perhaps than you replied charmian yet in many things my services might be hard to replace nothing under the sun could do it cried Iris eagerly if in these days of trouble she should lose you too still darker ones are approaching interrupted archibius positively perhaps you will learn all to-morrow whether charmian yields to her desire for rest or continues in the service of the queen depends on you if you wish her to remain you must not render it too hard for her to do so we three my child are perhaps the only persons at this court to whom the queen's happiness is more than their own and therefore we should permit no incident whatever name it may bear to cloud our harmony iris threw back her head with angry pride exclaiming passionately was it i who injured you i do not know in what respect but you and charmian though you have so long been aware that this heart was closed against every love save one stepped between me and the man for whom i have yearned since childhood and built the bridge which united dion and barine i held the woman i hated in my grasp and thanked the immortals for the boon but you two it is not difficult to guess the secret you are still trying to keep from me you aided her to escape you have robbed me of my revenge you have again placed the singer in the path where she must find the man to whom i have a better and older claim and who perhaps may still be considering which of us two will be the better mistress of his house if alexis and his worthy brother do not arrange matters so that we must both content ourselves with thinking tenderly of a dead man that is why i believe that i am no longer indebted to you that Charmian has more than repaid herself for all the kindness she has ever showed me. With these words she hurried to the door, but paused on the threshold, exclaiming, This is the state of affairs. Yet I am ready to serve the Queen hand in hand with you as before, for you too, as I have said, are necessary to her. In other respects I shall follow my own path. End of chapter 16